Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing today? Doing good. How are you? Oh, good. I went axe throwing last night. Oh, nice. Yeah. Was it just as fun as the last couple times. Yeah. Well, it was our. Uh, it was. A, it was a couple people from. Uh, from work that you know for for some of the colleagues that that set it up and it was really a lot of fun nice. really really a lot of fun yeah <laughs> it's Great always way a fun to one you wrap up the week on a friday do some uh fun activities oh my gosh yes yes it was nice to get some of that some of that pent-up energy out you know <laughs> throwing axe throwing would do it yeah it's a very, <clears throat> very physical activity <laughs> yes yes and i'll tell you boy i'll, I'll tell you what this uh go, speaking of uh not not axe throwing but changing the subject i'm just about ready to buy myself an electric car with the price of gas oh i know it's a lot good morning melissa good morning arianne morning. Uh, it's uh i appreciating having hi melissa it's a, the gas prices are crazy. It's a lot. Uh-huh. I'm really re- pretty much ready to break down here pretty soon. I'm just like so done feeding them all of my money. It's a lot. It's a lot for sure. Yeah. Boy, I'll tell you. How's everybody Saturday? Are we awake? Do we have caffeine? Well, it's already midday here, so lunchtime for me. <laughs> oh, it's lunchtime, so you're, you've, you've had your caffeine, huh? Uh-huh. <laughs> Where are you at? Orlando. Uh, I am located in Orlando. Oh, you're in Orlando. Uh-huh. Okay, so you're, yeah. So what's the weather like over there today? Uh, today is perfect. I mean, we are, uh, it is 75, a nice weather. Uh, it's getting really good right now. Beautiful. Uh-huh. It's 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 going to rain here in Northern California, which we're desperately in need of. So yeah. we're happy about that. But it's one of those days where you feel like you know taking a nap or sleeping in or something. Tamson, good morning. Good morning. How are y'all? Good. We are good. Me, um, I'm just going to pause for a second, Kelly. I'm going to do some invites real quick if you want to chat here, and then we'll get started. Yeah, it's a. Uh... I think it's it's Saturday morning. I think as we're getting into gear here today, getting everybody in. I see. Good morning, I'm Rita. Just joining. Um, I'm looking forward to our chat today. I know we're going to have this is we're continuing to talk about leadership styles, and we're going to talk about commanding leadership, which is uh, probably falls into our category of the more controversial leadership styles. So I'm looking forward to a discussion. I know Mako, one of our regulars, pinged me last week. He uh, he is actually taking the day off. He's doing a, a rest day. So I think that's oh. also a, a good reminder for all of yeah. us to uh, to take rest days, to unplug. So he's he's offline and off of, about in the world and, and taking a day. So again, I, I was remi- remember there's a uh, something I guess it's trending. I think he shared it on, on LinkedIn. It's called uh, rest day brag or brag rest day. I think I'm getting that wrong, but it is about, you know, as much as we celebrate, you know, what we're doing, exciting activities, you know, you know, things that we're doing and where we're very active, it's really important to also equally brag about our rest day, you know, and I think that's sometimes an uncomfortable concept for us because we're just always, I think, you know, culturally expected to always be doing something. I think especially um, Americans. I'm reading a book that's really interesting called um, Waking Up in Paris. And it's a, it's a great book. And it's about this woman that kind of moves to Paris after a, a couple of big things happen in her life, including a divorce. And she needs to kind of refine herself. 
but she talks about the differences of Parisian culture and what it's like and how you know the French culture and the pace of their days and slowing down and being comfortable standing in line waiting when someone's asking questions where we are taught so much to speed through our days. So that's one thing that we'll just take from Mako today is find a way to uh, make a rest day for yourself and brag about it. And even if that means I sat on the couch and I binge watched a show or I laid in bed and read a book all day, whatever it is, whatever it is that's a brag for you that it might be uncomfortable, but I thought it was a good reminder. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's, it's, and just to give yourself that permission to do it and not feel bad about it. it that's, that was so powerful and good for him, for Mako for taking that time for himself. Exactly. Yeah, so um, I am really having challenges with trying to invite my people here for some reason this morning, Kelly. So I don't know if you want to uh, dive out there while I introduce the, the clubhouse uh, and make a few invites there. So um, we'll go ahead and get started since it's about we're about four minutes in. I'm sure more will come and join us, but <clears throat> excuse me. Um, this is the official Learning to Lead Clubhouse. Oh, let me get you guys up here real quick. And uh, we meet every Saturday morning from 9.30 to 10.30 Pacific Standard Time. And this clubhouse, we created it as a forum where we could just really talk openly about all things leadership, um, the challenges, the achievements, and everything in between. Um, and, and the other thing is there's some great leaders that join this conversation um, from all industries with a broad diversity of experience and perspectives. So whether you're an entry-level leader or you're learning, learning your way or you're in a seasoned um, executive, we're all here to share our experiences, challenge tips, uh, resources, and sage advice. So we have a really, really great topic today. As, as Kelly mentioned, we're kind of going through this series of talking about different leadership styles. So we have some, a really good conversation coming up here. And, uh, you know, I want to just acknowledge that everybody's here on a Saturday morning, and that's really amazing. This is investing in yourself. This is investing in others. So a couple of really quick uh, housekeeping uh, points here is that this is a, an official Learning to Lead Clubhouse, we encourage you to follow us. We always also encourage you to follow others in the room as this is a great opportunity to expand your network. Um, if you follow our clubhouse, you'll also get regular notifications of our topics, um, information about how to access our, our recaps. We actually record these sessions, so if you miss one, you can go back and listen to it. Um, we'll send you an invite if you're in the uh, down in the hallway. We will send you an invite. You're not. You don't have to accept that. But we encourage you to come up and join the conversation because we learn from each other. Um, you may see the mics uh, flashing on and off, and that's just us clapping or agreeing with somebody what somebody else may be saying. There's also a kite at the bottom corner that allows you to message us, as well as the chat box on the left bottom corner where you can chat with one another or chat with us. Um, in addition, uh, you can also DM us in, and uh, others that are in the room. And lastly, we encourage you to take advantage of our recaps uh, where we can summarize, where we actually summarize the discussions and we record them so you can go back and listen to it. We also summarize our conversations in LinkedIn and our, our website is, we have a website and stuff, Substack where we put all this information. So, you know, invite others if you know leaders that are you know, entry level or, or really could use a, a great forum where they can talk about just everything in leadership. This is a great opportunity uh, to invite them to come join us. So I'm going to turn it over to Kelly to get us going. Thank you, Tamara. And yeah, I, I, I love the reminder for everyone that we're making time to get together. I learned from these discussions so much. And so I, I definitely look forward to them. 
uh, every weekend. And yes, we will do the all the recaps and all the things that, that Tamara went through. And I think what's what's going to be fascinating is that we have been for the last, uh, I guess this is our third week, we have been digging into uh, the six most common leadership styles, but according really to Daniel Goleman. So if you if you read his book or read some of the writing about him, this is really based on a lot of the research and studies that he's done um, in leadership. And so it's been really great to dig into it. And we'll talk more about you know today's topic being commanding leadership. But I, I do, as I always say every week, and I say for even the, the replays, if you know you don't take time to reflect it's really an important practice um to just check in with yourself and see how you're doing and try to keep track of maybe some themes and things that are going on the peaks and valleys that happen in life and so we always start out our conversation with what is your word of the week to summarize how your week went so i'm going to round table if for some reason you don't want to give your word of the week um i will i will move past you but i hope that everyone will take a moment to just share a little bit about how their week went and with that i'm going to start with melissa mm -hmm. so it was exciting uh, it was a really exciting week a lot of things were accomplished uh, a lot of good things uh, about in the professional and personal life so so it was an exciting week that's my word Fantastic. I love to hear that. Love the exciting weeks. Arlene. Hi, thanks. Um, busy. A, a lot of changes. Um, a lot of preparation for some large meetings and uh, most of it over now. Thanks. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing. Tamsin. Good morning. I'm going to go with gratitude. I had the occasion to need to lean on some of my uh, personal board of directors this week, and I am grateful that they did. Thank you. I think you broke up a little bit there, but I think we got that your gratitude was your, your word, and so thank you for sharing that. Amrita, good morning. Good morning. Um, for me, it has been recovery. Um, had a really bad, terrible sore throat. I still do this whole week. So um, recovery has been the theme. But I really liked the week was slow because of that. Um, it gave me time to think about and plan for so many things, um, both uh, in my professional life and personal life. Um, I'm super excited about this topic. Actually, all week long, I was thinking, like, how does commanding leadership style works works for women? Um, there has been research out there done by Harvard and Stanford that shows like when it comes to, um, I don't know, I associate these, this style with firmness maybe, I don't know, um, but I, I'm, I could be wrong for sure. Um, <clears throat> I'm, I was curious uh, to listen more actually on this topic from this group today, how this would work uh, because the research done by Harvard and Stanford, it kind of shows that for women, uh, they are perceived a bit differently, uh, whether it's the tone, whether it's their firmness or um, how they talk, how they show up or how they command. So I'm I'm really curious to learn more about, about the style. Thank you for sharing. Yes, and I, I think it'll be a great discussion. Gary, good morning. I think my word for the week is old. I felt really tired all week and then shoveling snow yesterday, I pulled a muscle, so. This week I'm feeling old. <laughs> we've, we've all been there. 
hopefully you uh you can take a little bit of what Amrita was saying and rest well and you can just you know recover you know i got out of bed 20 minutes ago so i've been resting today <laughs> good we keep that going mark good morning Good morning, everybody. Um, I'd say I'm still recovering. Uh, it's been a really rough few weeks at work. And, um, you know, I think I'm finally getting to that peak point where recover, I, I can start to focus on recovery, but it's been a rough few weeks. Yeah, there's some, some themes here. And again, it's always a good reminder, you know, for any of us that are going through these recovery moments, be it, you know, busyness and things that are happening in our work or in our lives or health wise or anything, or, you know, even the, the, the peaks or valleys, right? So we might, some of us might be in a valley and I'll share my word. And some of us might be somewhat in a peak where Melissa is right. Exciting weeks. And so, you know, remembering that these things pass in phases. So always that reminder of, you know, keep your themes and look back and see how things have been going. Tamara. Oh, sorry, trying to get off mute there. Um, this week was uh, kind of, it was a rather collaborative meeting. I mean, meeting, a collaborative week. Uh, I, I, I really felt a lot of democracy coming in, you know, through some of the things, which is what we talked about last week was democratic leadership. And uh, there's been quite a bit of that going on this week where we brought, you know, several people together trying to get some consensus and uh, kind of gather all of our intel to decide what we want to do next. So it was, it was interesting to tie that back to the, the, the discussion we had last week. Love that. That's great to hear. And it's, you know, we'll talk a lot about this, but the reason that we are going through all of these leadership styles is so that we as leaders can understand more in depth about each one individually, and then we can figure out when it's appropriate to flex between them. Um, so I will say for my, I was trying to think of what my word of the week, I could definitely echo a lot of sentiments that were already shared. Um, I'll choose a unique word um, for my week, which would be roller coaster. Um, it's been very, very busy, uh, very busy at work. And I think it's nice because I find that capacity is always, you know, created in, in maybe in my personal life. And I have more space that allows me to flex when, when work is demanding a bit more. And it's been, um, very intellectually challenging work, which on one hand is very good. It's the work that I enjoy the most, but, um, but it, it creates a lot of dynamics to try to manage both a lot of ongoing projects that are not new as well as kind of this this new work that's going on that although exciting is very new a lot of challenges to work through um so definitely felt a lot like a roller coaster this week and there's just a lot going on in the world as well and across our company and there's a lot happening so i think it's um managing a lot of emotions both personally you know professionally with my team with my organization as well as managing um very dynamic uh intellectually challenging work so probably similar to a lot of what other folks might be going through um, but I will keep this as my moment and capture my theme. And I'm sure hopefully, uh, similar to what Mark was saying, maybe I can look back in a couple of weeks and be on the other side of it and reflect back. So with that, thank you as always. I always really appreciate hearing how everybody's week is doing and hopefully it, it's building that practice of, of reflection when you're with us live and when you maybe are not with us live and you're, you're kind of on your own or listening to a replay. So commanding leadership, we're going to jump into it now. So as we've been doing, as I mentioned, We've been going over the leadership styles by by Daniel Goleman and really trying to understand these. And I, I always like to share, and I, I said it before, and I'll probably say it many times throughout the discussion, that you know leadership styles, there is not one size fits all, and there is not one leadership style to rule them all. Um, and I think it's important for us to know that it's about understanding the depth of each one, 
and flexing when appropriate. And so commanding leadership can sound very negative. It can carry a negative you know, um, connotations and it can seem like something that we should never use. So it's really important today. And what, I, what I'm looking forward to sharing and discussing with all of you is first, let's understand what it is. What is commanding leadership style? What are some of the attributes of a commanding leader? And then let's talk about the advantages and disadvantages. When would you use this? When don't you use this? And you know, similar to you know one of our previous conversations around pace setting, you know, there there's a, a time and a place when it's appropriate, and it's understanding that, but equally being very aware of the risks of this type of style. So I'm going to kick it off, and again, I would I'm going to open it to the floor. I would love to hear, you know, when I talk about the definition here some of the reactions and some of the things that you you think of when you think of commanding leadership style you know what are some of the maybe the the you know connotations or perceptions that you have of this leadership style as we go through this conversation and so i'll i'll start with you know a very high level definition so you know commanding leadership style it is also known as um really a directive leadership style so it's an autocratic leadership style where orders are expected to be followed to the letter. And there's an expe expectation of 100% compliance with rules and instructions and policies. It's generally good for maybe more low skilled workers or in situations of crisis or maybe very junior or new workers, depending on your type of organization. And it's really something about you know, providing directive rules, directive guidelines, and an expectation that your team is going to follow suit. So that all sounds potentially in my mind very negative right so i would love to open it first to the floor before we move on to you know what is your expectation of commanding leadership what do you think of it like what is your reaction when you hear even some of the descriptions i just shared around the definition uh i think Kelly, that i mean it depends i mean uh, as a leader sometimes i have i have done that having a commander leadership leadership style because uh, as you mentioned before uh, people in the meeting, they didn't know which way to go. We were losing time. We were running against the clock to be able to deliver something. So direct instructions have to be given uh, for people to be able to accomplish uh, the goal that we had. So on those type of cases, I think that this type of leadership style is needed. And also with people who is not doing good, uh, who have been put in, in HR plans, for example, where you're telling them, hey, this is what you have to do to be able to get better. So I think in both those cases, it will make it makes sense to have a commanding leadership style. Those are great points, Melissa. And I think there's some of the things, the themes that, that we've captured for this discussion. And I think, you know, well said that you've already hit on some of them of, of again, understanding when it's appropriate. And definitely when you're dealing with a, a situation where you have a, a performance issue happening within a team, this is a really important um, leadership style to lean into. And I think, you know, it is about, an element of control, but it is also an element of, you know, to your earlier point, you know, providing clarity and decisiveness also in times of, um, you know, change or when there's, you know, ambiguity or teams are, are you know, not organized or things are not working well, this is a, a time to be decisive and provide a lot of clarity. Are there any other reactions, things that come to mind when you think about or even as we're have, talking about commanding leadership? Uh, I mean, I think back to, you know, earlier parts of my career where I think that that is maybe a default, um, uh, almost naive mindset that I had, that that was the way to lead. 
Um, and, and I use that in the sense of the, the broadest term, right? This isn't a triage. This isn't an emergency situation. This was the ongoing way to manage a high-performing team. And it took a little bit of time, but realized it wasn't the best tool for that type of leadership. Um, but, you know, it, it did. It showed me what was wrong with it. Um, you know, what, what, what it does to morale, um, which is not necessarily a positive thing. And, and it certainly doesn't empower people. So I think it's definitely a tool, uh, that you use for the right situations and, uh, can be, uh, in my case, a learning experience to figure out what, what works and what doesn't work for my particular leadership style. And I just want to echo that, you know, I would say I had a very similar experience when I, in, in my early part of my career as a leader, uh, had a, a very similar experience. And I think it's, it's, it's a really great point that you, that you bring up because, you know, we have people of all different levels of leadership to come into this room and, and it's, it's, it can be easy to fall into somewhat of a, a, a commanding or an autocratic leadership style when you're lacking confidence or you're trying to prove yourself and it takes that, that experience and, and that the, the uh, becoming a seasoned leader oftentimes that we, we suddenly realize that maybe that wasn't the right exact approach to take as we were trying to prove ourselves and we end up falling into the minefield uh, as a result of it. So I, that really resonated with me, Mark. I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, and I think it's, you know, to add on to that, I think it's a really important point because we talk a lot about, you know, leadership. And I think one of the most important aspects of leadership in success and, and being able to scale and grow both for yourself and for your team is learning how to delegate. And I think this that is an area that, you know, very much in sharing, you know, your your experience, Mark, and, you know, echoed by Tamara, that it's very, it's very, it can be very easy as a new leader to come in and start to think about delegation but to do delegation with within the commanding leadership style, right? Which is I'm specifically going to tell you to go do something and do it this way. And I think, you know, that that line of, um, you know, staying out of the micromanagement, but even again, walking that line and paying attention to the art of delegation, which can be very challenging as we grow in our careers, but also not leaning so heavily into the way that delegation is also enacted um, so that it doesn't lean so heavily into I'm going to tell you exactly how to do something and do it my way as a as the default approach when we're growing as leaders. I think um, military is one word that comes to my mind, um, but I'm also curious about the verbal and the nonverbal tone that goes with it um, in a non-military world, maybe. Oh, I was going to say, you know, I, I mentioned triage. Um, and I think you, uh, Melissa also mentioned, you know, emergency or, you know, like a triage type of situation. And I, I am the first one to admit, I don't have a military background. Um, but when it, there's a level of um, authority that I, I've used in some triage situations where, yeah, you have to take that commanding style but there's a there's also a sense of delegation that's necessary and empowerment right it's like hey look i need you to go find what's wrong with this particular item like say a server then like i need you to go troubleshoot this right and and then let's get back and figure out what the next steps are and it's not micromanagement i think that's an important part about the commanding leadership at least the way that i 
perceive it to be. It's not about micromanagement. It's about delegating very specific things and being able to regroup, um, you know, and then reassess is that you're taking ownership over, you know, various elements of a problem. And that's why I think for me, I've used commanding leadership in a lot of the, that triage situation because somebody has empowered me to figure out what's going on or to reach an objective or or whatever that important thing is. It's not sustainable. Um, it you know it's it's kind of exhausting in in some ways because you're making a lot of these command decisions and and you may or may not be taking in the input from others. But um, you know, in in the short bursts, I've found it most successful in the, oh my gosh, our, you know, our application is completely offline. I was going to say website, but then I'd be dating myself. Our application is completely offline. We got to figure out what's, what's going on here. How do we, you know, how do we divide and conquer to get us back up and running as quickly as possible and then go back and, and do the postmortem. Yeah, I think all, and, well said. I'll go for it, Tamara. And I was just going to say, and and you know, going back to what the what you what you were talking about as far as like behaviors and stuff, and and I love how Mark, you just kind of really described that very well. You know, in a crisis situation, you know, you have to you have to be commanding. You have to like people have to be clear about what's expected of them. But there's the right way to do it, and there's the wrong way to do it. Right? I think that's really the distinguishing factor. This isn't done. This is something used very sparingly as a leadership style. But when you're using it you know, uh, in a wrong way, or you're, you're using it in a, just a, an egotistical way, which commanding leaders can be, you know, it can be, they can be very impatient and demanding. Um, they can be, they can create a very toxic work environment, forceful, bluntful. They can be very, uh, like, you know, I'm going to win. You're going to lose. That's great. I'm happy about that. There's there that a lot of commanding leaders can come across like that and, and be very, uh, very, like I say, toxic. Whereas if you do it right, you know, it's about being confident, being decisive, being clear, um, you know, giving people a sense of, of the fact that, that you know what's happening or a sense of safety, a sense of uh, they, 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 they really believe that this leader is going to show them the right way to go. They're going to, they're going to be successful at the end of the, at the end of uh, whatever this, whatever's going on, the crisis. I think of the, the pandemic, you know, you had, you have the president and you have 50 states. You got, you know, you got the, uh, oh, why am I just totally blanking on the uh, C the CDC? And they're trying to get, get directions out to all the public health departments out in 50 different states. You know, it has to be somewhat commanding. There's a lot of, of situations like that where you have to be commanding, but I think it's about the delivery. It's about how you, how you do it versus, you know, the fact that you are in fact doing it. Yeah, and I think there's a big part of this, which I think to, to Amrita's, you know, question and, and really appreciate the, the insights everyone's already shared and, you know, agree a lot with what you, you shared, Mark, which is, you know, I think it's it's easy to, when you think about the negative connotations and, and you know, when commanding is done or the default, which we all go to, right? One of the best examples, if you go Google commanding leadership style and you want an example, you're going to find Winston Churchill, right? You're going to likely find people that have been in these you know high stakes likely military situations that have led with a specific style that was very impactful you know and i think we often default to the way that that communication comes through and you know it doesn't mean that you have to communicate in a way that is forceful or aggressive or egotistical all the negative you know aspects that are are at risk here that Tamara was going over it can be as much as 
it is about being decisive. It is about being a clear communicator. It is about providing clear guidelines to what we need to do and how we're going to move forward, very much what Mark was saying. And so I, I don't, as we think about, again, flexing this type of leadership style, it's in that moment when we are trying to resolve a crisis, deal with a situation, um, you know, deal with a performance issue, whatever's going on, that we can deliver that authentically within our style, but it is about what we are saying, right? As we are being very clear and decisive about what the next steps are, how we are moving forward, and how we are delegating effectively and trusting our teams to move forward um, on those directions. That's where, again, I think we can do that without it having to be something that feels inauthentic to our own communication styles. And you know, I'll give an interesting example and, you know, uh, for most, most people that know me, I work at Disney. And I think one of the areas that I think of when I think of, of um, this style specifically, and you know, when we think about like triaging or we think about a military situation or we think about a crisis situation, which can feel very foreign to a lot of us. But when I think about, you know, for example, the theme park business that Disney's in as well as other companies like Universal, you know, there's an element of making sure that there is an element of command commanding leadership style that is present because you are dealing with the health and safety of guests. And it's really important to make sure that on one hand, everyone is safe and healthy and decisions are being made. And there's clarity of how we operate to make sure that everyone is going to be healthy and safe. The flip side of that is I think as we've all been discussing, I've been thinking a lot about, you know, um, you know, franchises, you know, or brands, pick Starbucks, I just visited them this morning, right? There's an element of with every single franchise, how we want to make sure that that brand is carried through and consistently everything is happening in a specific way. Now, over time, there's a shift, I'm sure, out of commanding leadership into just the guidelines and, and policies and practices and the way that we work. But if you can imagine opening a new Starbucks, right, you open a new franchise location, there's a high degree of commanding leadership that has to be done in ensuring that everyone is, is kind of following the rules and the guidelines and learning it very quickly so that then we can move more into just the sustaining of this is how we run and operate this business. So these are some of the examples that came into my head when I was trying to think about, you know, beyond a crisis situation, right, an outage or something's going on where we need to lean into this style. It can be some of those examples that Melissa hit on early, but also just as we're thinking about, you know, operating a business where health and safety is important, but also when we're forming something brand new where it's really important to move fast and be incredibly decisive and ensure that we're operating within speed, which may mean that we're giving much more direction than we normally would probably an ongoing business. So I wanna throw something out as well. I think that was great. Those examples were great, but I wanna share a completely different side. I work in healthcare, I work in a hospital. You know, you're in, in the hospital and in patient codes. You know, it's somebody has to become the commanding leader and it's extremely commanding because you, you know, this person's life depends on it. But at the same time, commanding with, uh, uh, what do I want to say? You know, it, commanding with respect, for lack of better terms, where, you know, you, this entire team that you're, the physicians, you know, directing the entire team, get me this medication, get me that medication. Let's, you know, let's, defit, let's you know, shock this person, whatever. You have to have, you need to have your team trust you and feel safe with you and not be hesitant because they're scared of you. And it's just an incredibly, uh, there's an incredible finesse of a dance in that kind of a situation, but absolutely 100% commanding leadership, um, again, done in a very graceful way, because you have to have a team that trusts you. So if, if that helps to drive some of this home, I think that's an excellent example as well. 
You... Oh, no. oh, go ahead. Go on, Melissa. Sorry. Oh, thank you. And I was going to say, Tamara, I mean, on an emergency case, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, and just keeping comparisons, uh, when we have a P1 call at work, for example, we, are, we always have to have that commander leadership style telling people, hey, this is what you have to do now. And uh, do your, this other person is going to do this. I mean, you have to command directly because of the emergency of the situation. So I guess for, for emergency cases, uh, no matter the, the type of work that you do, it, it makes a lot of sense to have this leadership style. Yeah, and I, I was going to hone in on that as well. I work in information security, and I think we, we default to this style whenever we have an incident, um, whenever there's a hacker or, or something like that. But one of the things that I think is, is vitally important is that if you're going to go into the commanding leadership style, you need to leave ego behind. Um, I've had specifically one instance where the incident leader was... Uh, made a decision that was wrong. And, you know, I put forward a proposal and said, look, if we do it this way, we can contain the incident. But it wasn't his idea. So uh, he didn't allow it. Um, two days later, when the incident was totally not contained, legal rang me and said, can we do what you said? And I, I had warned them previously, we would not be able to go back on that decision. And it, it put us in a, a tailspin for a couple of months, really trying to contain the incident. And, uh, you know, after legal called me, I had to call the incident commander and say, you're making too many emotional decisions. And from now on, you will be informed, but you will not be accountable or um, making any more decisions, but you'll be informed every step of the way. So then I, I took control of that incident. But I think the reason we got into that situation is because his decision was emotional and ego driven rather than data centric. And um, yeah, I, I just think you need to take your ego out of it. And if you are gonna move into this style, it needs to be data-driven and you shouldn't be afraid to take other people's advice. You know, those are really, you know, both well said from, from Melissa and Gary. And, you know, two points that I think, you know, and Gary building on what you were just saying, you know, I think leaving egos behind, one of the key attributes of this leadership style as well. And I think it's, again, this is important when we talk about self-reflection, um, it's also self-awareness, right? And understanding our skill sets as leaders as we grow, right? We, all, we are always learning and depending on where we are in our leadership journey, it's really important that to be successful as a commanding leader that we are experienced. Where it also falls over in addition to being ego, if someone goes into the ego-driven decision-making, but also if the reality is you don't know the best path, then enacting in a commanding leadership style is not going to work. And I think Gary, your example is really a good one because it's showing that you know the wrong decision ultimately is being made. And so it's a very, very big risk. And I say it both as we think about being team members, but also as we think about leadership, if we're dealing with a situation where there is someone else in our ranks potentially or across our org that is better positioned from an experience perspective as well, to deal with the situation, we have to be open enough and again, leave ego behind to say, you know, I'm going to empower that person to be the one that's resolving this issue and taking command and helping us move through this. And I think that can be really hard to do because ego is very powerful, but it's a, a really important point to this. And I wanna go back to something that, that Mark said as well. One of the key risks of this style is, you know, again, I think we're all hearing there's a time and a place for commanding leadership style, but ultimately it's not something that we should be 
leveraging every single day and continuing because it can be incredibly um, challenging from a cultural perspective. It can easily go into toxic. It can really impact morale. And, and the reality is it stifles creativity. It stifles ideation and conversation and innovation and innovative thinking and all the things that we hear about from democratic leadership style from last week. So what's important is what Mark said is when you get out of this situation and you do what we often refer to, I think in multiple different ways, depending on your industry, but you do a postmortem. I think it's really important that we take those moments to almost kind of signal that we're moving out of commanding and now we're moving back into flexing a style where we want to hear what's going on. Why did we end up there? What have we learned as a result? And start to open those doors of collaboration and communication again. And again, very much within that flexing style so that we are continuing to be open as leaders to hearing different perspectives of even how we could do things differently or better in the future when a situation comes up where we do have to leverage this leadership style. So Kelly, quick question about that then. I have seen cases where we have a P1 call and managers, they have control of the situation and suddenly you have a director or VP coming to those calls and they want to take control even though somebody else already knew what they were doing. So what do you do on those cases? Because I mean, you don't, I mean, in my case, I don't want to tell a VP on the call, hey, you know, we already have control of this. What is the best way to say, hey, we already have control. Uh, if you want, you can be here listening to, but, but we know what to do. Yeah, it's a really hard one, Melissa. And I think this happens This happens in, in P1 situations or crisis situations. It also happens, um, I see this happen just in general case of business, the big projects going on and you get you know senior leaders that want to lean in. I think the way that you even just verbally asked your question, you kind of answered your question from my perspective, my advice, which would be, I think it's about demonstrating that there's a plan of action in place. This is completely under control. And often when I find that leaders want to lean in and step in, it's about exactly to your point, you're welcome to be here and listen. We have this under control and demonstrating that and moving through topics and, and as you all are, are you know addressing the situation. I also find this is a moment of where you over communicate in other channels. So we're gonna be providing email updates offline or we'll have a site that's live that we're gonna be using as a team to collaborate so they can get real-time updates without having to plug in and feel like they need to take over and, and drive the situation. But that's, I know that's incredibly challenging because you do get leaders that sometimes feel like they need to come in and take over. But I think there's a lot of ways from, through communication to continue to drive both the meetings that are happening and the offline communications that demonstrate we have this, we have this covered but you're welcome to you know, have all visibility into how we're addressing it. Yeah, I, I have been in situations several times where I'm participating in an incident um, to just remain informed. And there has been either a senior director or VP who joins in. There has been like in numerous times when that has happened. I think to Kelly's point, we I have seen that 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 demonstrating that you do have a plan of action definitely works. But I think something that goes along with it and it's kind of a part of it is um, thinking of like, hey, that person, um, I'm like, we know that their title is VP or senior director. Um, they, something is concerning them because of which they are joining. So it's just, they need uh, probably that confidence that, hey, you know, 
everything is under control, like you said, Melissa. So one thing that I have done in the past in such situations is simply when we deliver that plan of action, um, it's, it's important to do it in a very succinct way, um, not to detail like everything that has happened and everything that you're going to do, but in like just keeping it very much to the point as far as he or she wants to know about the situation and feel relieved about it. Maybe like having just two or three sentences prepared, <laughs> I don't know, and delivering that message kind of also gives them confidence. I have seen that in situations where too much of description is provided to executives, um, they tend to think, or I don't know, in, in some situations, maybe where I've been near there, um, I have heard, I've seen that when such messages are delivered in a very, very descriptive fashion, they kind of confuse the, confuses them maybe uh, to think like, oh, okay, but okay, I, I like they try to wrap their minds around it uh, during an active incident. I don't know. So just that's just a thought. Yeah, I think that's great advice, Amrita, and I think it is. Um, I know we've talked in the past about, you know, presentation styles, there's probably an element, an element of coming back to even, you know, communication, because this is such a big part, especially when you work in large companies. Um, and I think, you know, depending on where you, where you are and the size of the company you're in, you know, how you communicate in any situation, especially a, a high stakes or incident situation um, can be really, really critical. And it's about what information your audience needs to know, depending on their level, to your point to both solve the challenge that Melissa's hitting on, right, about someone wanting to, to dive in and get really involved, even though something's very much under control, um, but also not give them so much information that then it's it's at, no longer effective in managing their attention and what they should be aware of or diffusing potentially any anxiety or concerns that might be going on. So I think that's, I'll make, take a note, it's probably a great conversation for us in a future session to talk about, you know, effective communication at all levels in the community, you know, in the company, especially when you're dealing with um, you know, very senior leaders or upper management that might be above you and what they might be looking for. I had a question about how, when going in a situation like that and we know like this is a leadership style that we have to use. What is the mental or um, prep work that one should do or keep in mind in terms of outcome, how it's delivered. I think we talked about this in previous forums also. It will be great to think about it from this leadership style perspective. Yeah, that's a really great question. I would love to, to open it to the room to get, get thoughts on this because I think what you're hitting on is really important because I think a key aspect and, and often what we're hearing is that, you know, commanding leadership, again, it has its time and its place. And often it's in a situation where we have to be very decisive and we have to move fast, which often means we have very little time to potentially prepare, right? We might be having to react to a situation or asking our teams to react in a situation and we're helping to guide and be decisive about, you know, how we're going to resolve it. And I think you know, an element, not at least my two senses, I'll go back to, you know, one of the points, you know, in that, you know, kind of Gary brought up that I was, you know, discussing around, you know, understanding the the situation and trying to be as informed as, as possible of 
what the approach should be. Um, or again, being open enough to say, maybe there's someone in your team who is the person that's, that should be taking on the commanding role and be made accountable to addressing a situation. And I think that's one way that definitely I as a leader, when I think about this style would be looking at is, is there someone in my team that's better equipped than me to be able to make the decision in this space or in my organization? Oh, or if it's something that I'm going to be taking on, do I have all the information that I need to be as clear and decisive as I need to for my team? So that when I go into the first meeting that we're going to be having to move forward uh, on a situation, that I can help guide that conversation effectively, provide the focus necessary um, in a in a way that feels you know still very inclusive and respectful to my team, but that they understand what needs to happen and there's no ambiguity about what the next steps are that we need to take. But I would love to hear from everyone else as well. Yeah, that's a that's a tough one, right? Because there's there are, uh, oh man, I'm just thinking of a few different examples that can go different ways, right? I mean, if if your primary application is going down and you're losing revenue, is that the opportunity to give one of your team members the opportunity to lead in that situation? If you're not 100% confident, they can do it. You know, that it's an opportunity, right? Trial by fire. You know, we've all been there. Um, you know, people oftentimes uh, uh, can take the opportunity to step up um, and recognize those. Or, you know, is this such a critical situation that it's your opportunity to step up and, and show, um, you know, your leadership that it's that you're capable of doing it right? It's it's a it's a very interesting thought exercise. Um and a lot of judgment calls because when you're when you're talking about this specific t style of leadership, it is not opportunistic for. Um, well, I guess it, I don't know. I, I'm kind of going back and forth. You know, it is opportunistic for for that potential growth and and understanding and and showing what you're able to do and and resolve issues. Um, but at the same time, I guess my conservative nature of like. And I guess this is maybe the 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 point for me specifically. I am very much a like if, if there is an issue, I'm the one who likes to take control of it. Uh, as much as I like to be a leader, I like to get my hands dirty. And and so maybe I'm telling myself like maybe I just need to let go a little bit and then allow others to be able to step up and not be that obnoxious VP that's asking too, or maybe be that obnoxious VP asking a little bit too many questions, but making sure that the team can assure me and manage my expectations that everything is going to be okay. Not sure I even was coherent there, so I apologize. <laughs> no, it was good. It's, it's uh, no, I think what you're hitting on again, this is very much a big part of this, right? Which is when do you, when do you give someone else the reins? When do you take it yourself? How do you deal with it? You know, and, and I think that's, that's the challenge here, right? And I, number one, I mean, we're talking a lot about commanding leadership style in a situation of potentially crisis or incident or you know even a performance issue these are high stress situations where there's not you know we have to kind of go through a lot of these cycles very quickly as we decide what to do next so you know i think in embracing the discomfort there but i i think what you're hitting on is really important knowing that you're going to go through those cycles and I equally, when you were just even talking about, you know, making even the decision, right? Do you take the reins? Do you give it to someone else? How do you think about that? Again, these are quick decisions we have to make. And again, these can be sometimes very high stress situations that we may find ourselves in. And I think there's a saying that I'm not going to hit correctly here about, 
you know, the idea of, you know, acknowledging things that you can control. And I think it was about mindfulness. Like mindfulness is not about controlling everything or everything being perfect, but it's actually about being able to be present in a moment when something's going on and not be overtaken, right? Don't be overtaken by the emotion or the stress of the situation. And I think that's a key component of commanding leadership style is to be able to take information, absorb it as quickly as possible and make a decision so that your team is focused. So your team is not being impacted or you're trying to contain as much as possible by providing stability and security and clarity in potentially a very high stress situation, which means we as leaders have to navigate that ourselves often very quickly. So I think everyone, you know, I, I as I'm listening to this, it's reminding me that how I process my own stress in high stress situations is really important so that then when I'm in front of my team and dealing with a situation, I can provide that stability, that clarity, that focus, and, and demonstrate to them that we're going to get through this with confidence so that they don't feel overtaken by uh, an ambiguous situation or they feed off a of stress that I might be having. So I think that's kind of equally important. It just triggered for what you were saying, Mark, even just going through those cycles of making a decision and understanding when is it time for someone to step up and, and lead in this moment as that trial by fire moment, or when is it, when is it more appropriate for us to, to keep that and move forward as leaders? And I think there's a, there's a fluidity uh, of, can you guys hear me? I don't know if my, I, my, yeah, you're are. good. Okay, good. Anyway, <clears throat> uh, that we're, we're not, we, we rarely are sitting in one style for very long when we're, we're moving in and out. Some we may sit in longer. So, you know, just that's a, it's a point. I think we all have to remember is that we're going to be moving in and out of these, these various leadership styles all the time. But I wanted to speak to what Mark said just a moment ago, because I think I heard you move through several different leadership styles while you were talking, but it, when it comes to commanding, um, I think that the opportunity where you said maybe you give somebody else the the, the reins in, in a situation like that, the opportunity there, I believe, uh, in is probably with problematic employees. And I've done this with some some folks that I've been leading as well, where maybe there's a, someone who's a problematic employee and there's a leader under me that I can bring in and use that, let them be the commanding leader in dealing with the performance, but also I can fall back into maybe my coaching leadership style or a, another, you know, affiliative or, or democratic, uh, where it allows you at least then to let them do the commanding leadership with the actual employee on the, on the performance issue, but you're not in a crisis where maybe it's not the best setting to, to hand over the, the reins. I don't know if that resonates, but that's what, where, my thought, where my thoughts were. Yeah, I definitely like that as, again, as an example of, of flexing. Um, and it's a good example for, you know, when we might, you know, ask or delegate to one of our team members to take a commanding role in a situation so that we can then step into a different leadership style um, is a really interesting kind of, again, way of framing the flexibility of, of these leadership styles. I do want to, um, we're coming up on 10 minutes left. So I would, if there's any questions that are coming top of mind or you know, ideas, or I always love to hear folks' examples of, of how they've dealt with um, either directly, you know, been, maybe been a part of, you know, seeing leadership, you know, a commanding leadership style in practice, or use it themselves as we're kind of getting to the end of our conversation here today. I had a question, and sorry, I had to jump off for a, a minute earlier, but I guess, and maybe this is just a quibble, but I, I think a directing leadership, um, 
tells people, especially in emergencies, here's what we need to do. Here's what each of you are going to do. Here's the way forward. I, I, you know, I, I do see a difference in between directing and commanding. And I'm, I think that most of the situations that I was listening to, and, and when I'm thinking of myself, directing, strongly directing versus commanding, in, in my opinion, for me, would be a preferable style. Yeah, no, I love it, Arlene. What you're hitting on is really important. This actually came up, I think, last week as well, which is that there's a lot of leadership styles that go by multiple terms. And so we're picking kind of a common term, which is commanding, but commanding is also very much known as directive leadership as well, um, or autocratic leadership, right? And the same week last week, we talked about um, democratic leadership, which is also known as inclusive leadership. So I think what you're hitting on though is really important because I think it's a nuance that matters. And I think it goes back to maybe Amrita's you know, questions and in comments at the beginning, which is what we embrace from each one of these leadership styles and what we take away and how we frame it is really important because it, it definitely influences how we are going to apply this in our own leadership style with our own teams. And I think what you're hitting on is really important because, you know, again, there's a connotation when you hear commanding, right? We, we all may default to a lot of us to, you know, military that it's like, I'm barking at you, or I might be aggressive, or I might be arrogant or egotistical, right? And if those are, are words that come to mind when you think of commanding, but directive is more about, well, yeah, obviously that's about decisiveness and focus and clarity and enabling success with our teams to move quickly and I'm providing clear direction, then that's great. And I think those examples of those nuances of framing is taking both the advantages and disadvantages of this leadership style and taking what works for you and what, what makes sense. And, and again, I always scratch up, feels authentic to who you are and how you lead so that you can be effective both for your own leadership journey as well as for your team. So I think it's a really important kind of nuance, but again, a good framing for when we think about taking on different leadership styles or flexing in and out, whether we're we're really embracing commanding, but if, if directive feels like it resonates more, great, let's let's lean into that. And then know if someone comes to you and says, you know, I'm looking at leadership styles and they bring up commanding. Well, yeah, we all know it now. Commanding is actually can be directive and that those are very much interchangeable, but can be grounded in what feels most authentic to how we want to apply it within our leadership style. Thanks. Yeah, and I think that the, the value in, you know, going through these different leadership styles that we've been, uh, you know, exploring over the last couple of weeks is is trying to really understand, you know, the components of it and and um, and to understand when you're in it, how to do it effectively versus, you know, what some of the pitfalls are. So it's it's really there's so many different it's uh, uh, um, oh gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on the word I want to say. It's just kind of about it's semantics sometimes, you know, when you're when you're looking at, when you're thinking of like autocratic or commanding or pace setting, but there's some, some very, there's some variation and some difference in each one of those. And that's what I think the beauty is in, in having these conversations and sharing our perspectives and our experiences so that we can better understand how to be effective when we're in one of those types of leaderships. I also think that conditions are changing all the time. So like I was listening, I was thinking about what Mark said about, you know, 
is this a scenario where someone else could be learning how to navigate this? And is now the time for me to be intentional about this learning moment? Or are we in a scenario where I can teach and then maybe have fast follow coaching conversations with someone, but just being super aware? And I'll give the specific example. So we had a new CEO start this week. He's onboarding. He's getting way closer to the work and asking questions because he's new. So this might not be the best time for me to put, you know, a, a more um, early in career leader directly in front of him because we're building trust and credibility. So in the incident situation, I think that's very similar. It's like if you have new people in the conversation, so like, I got close to an incident this week, but I was super explicit about why. So this has been going on for a few days. I want to be here to provide air cover. How about I take on communication? I'll be the communication uh, person for all of you. This person's on point. They have the decision rights. Like just being intentional, I think matters. And even declaring if you're going in and out of these styles, I think that's okay too, to say, I'm going to, I'm going to shift to a more directive style right now because of the scenario that we're in and then using that as an opportunity to teach as well. Yeah, those are really, really great points. And again, I think, you know, well said as far as, you know, flexing between styles and, you know, again, even in those moments, like being very decisive about what, what is the right step based on what's going on organizationally? And I think you're right. Many of us will 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 experience that, right? Different leaders coming in that are trying to onboard and are trying to learn and how do we best support our teams and that leader in those moments, I think is a, a really, really great reminder and appreciate the insights. Yeah, what stands out to me over and over, self-awareness, self-awareness, being in the moment, being... A, being so dialed in to what's going on and what you're doing. And that's a hard thing to do. You have to really train yourself and be disciplined about it because, because you, you may have to switch in it on a, on a dime. Person to person. Like to, situation, oh, situation. Go sorry. ahead. Dee. Go ahead Dee. Oh, I wanted to build on your point, you know, and it's important to ask for feedback in order to have that self-awareness because sometimes we think of ourselves one way and don't really know how our staff thinks of us. So the Jahari window is a really great um, tool for that. It's spelled J-O-H-A-R-I, Jahari window. Thank you. Thank you for that. I'll share that in the recap so everybody can check out um, that resource, but yes, absolutely. And it's really important to gather feedback again, as we flex through totally agree and a really important reminder, both in times when we might be using commanding leadership, but also just in general, making sure that we're, we're checking in with our teams regularly on, you know, what they need and also how they're perceiving us. And is there something that we need to, again, flex our style to better support them? I know we're getting to our last two minutes here. Uh, we are going to continue this. We're actually at the halfway point of going through the six leadership styles. So we are going to be continuing this series um, for the next three weeks. And then we'll maybe do something fun at the end where we'll share some resources and would love to have folks kind of assess which leadership style they might be using at any given point or which one they might you know, identify with most often when they think about kind of which leadership style you're using. We still have 
visionary coaching and affiliative that are going to be coming up on our series. So be on the lookout for topics to be set both in Clubhouse and um, on our website and on LinkedIn. And with that, I'll, I'll pass it over to Tamara. There's any additional items you want to call out or if you want to kind of start to wrap us up with our end of the end of the session quote. Uh, great. Um, anybody have any last minute, minute comments before we close out? I think this was very insightful. Thank you, everyone, for sharing all your thoughts and experiences. Thank you so much. Thank you, Amrita. Okay. So um, I'm going to give you a quote from Daniel Goleman, which is who, who we're studying here. And his quote is, the best leaders don't know one style of leadership. They're skilled at several and have the flexibility to switch between styles as the circumstances dictate. So on that note, you guys go out and enjoy your weekend. And thank you for taking the time to invest in yourself and the others in this room today. And we will see you back next week, Saturday, 930 uh, Pacific Standard Time. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, everybody. everybody. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.